0: Hello there, welcome to another uh, Bible study that we call TNT and we're certainly delighted and elated that you're able to, to join us as far as this virtual space is concerned. We don't take for granted your time and the effort that it takes for you to be a part of this and because of where we are as far as our life situation is concerned. Um, this is for right now, one of the best ways that we can have as many people to join us as far as Bible study is concerned. So thank you for taking time out of your schedule to uh, join us as far as our time of study and gathering is concerned. Um, As we move forward, as far as uh, our continued teaching, we are in the second epistle of Peter. Uh, Last week we started with uh, chapter 1 and we got through verse 4. And so today I want to pick up on verse 5 and go through verse 11. And hopefully and prayerfully I can get through to verse 11. So as we move forward as far as uh, this particular uh, sharing is concerned, I believe that last week we did our markup all the way through verse 11. And so I'm not going to have to do that again, but I will read it for us as far as our time is concerned. And then we will move forward as far as um, talking about what that passage meant. So that being said, um, verse five goes like this, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence add. And, and, and let me, if I could, I want, you, I want to stress that word, add. I want to stress that word, add. So um, uh, if you would put some sparkles around that, uh, put a star around that word, that's, that's going to be a key word in this sharing. Add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make sure to make your call and election sure. This is another phrase that we're going to take a deep dive on. Verse 10. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an interest will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All right. Um, what, what I want to do is, um, for those that are watching us virtually, if you have any questions, we want you to put them in the chat. Um, Deborah, who is managing, of course, our online presence, but also as far as the chat is concerned, if you have any questions, put them in the chat uh, as we go along, and um, uh, Deborah will call it to my attention so I can kind of answer it on the spot as we move along. This is a very rich, rich passage, and let me, if I could, just uh, do uh, a setup of helping us understand Who is writing this? Again, this is the Apostle Peter, who was basically the spokesperson for the original 12. This is the same Peter whom Jesus said, you know, uh, asked the disciples, who do people say I am? Who do you say I am? This Peter was the one that said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God and Jesus said, flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you but my father which are in heaven and uh, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I'm going to give you keys to the kingdom and whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven, whatsoever you bound on earth shall be bound in heaven. This is the apostle that Jesus spoke to. This is also the one that Jesus said Satan desires to uh, sift you like wheat but I pray for you that when you are converted you will strengthen your brothers. This is the same Peter that Jesus said you're going to deny me and Peter said no never and Jesus said listen by the time the rooster crows uh, three times you will have denied me three times. So in that vein in that vein uh, this is Uh, the Simon Peter who has both ups and downs, mountains and valleys, highs and lows in his relationship with Jesus Christ to the point where he denied Jesus and to the point where he went back to what he used to do and that was fish. And Jesus came and got him and restored him. And in that restoration on the day of Pentecost, which we'll be celebrating this Sunday, on the day of Pentecost, nearly uh, uh, over three thousand people joined the church, started the church after the preaching of uh, Peter. So this is this is this Simon Peter. Now, scholars also have some some questions about who really wrote first and second Peter. Um, and there are those who will say, that basically peter had a secretary or a writer who would uh write down what he was saying so the person that was his scribe or secretary for first peter according to scholars was not the same person that did second peter all right but peter is the one that is writing or issuing rather the words to be put into print uh, but like I said, um, many biblical scholars contend that it may have been two different secretaries based upon their writing style uh, between First Peter and Second Peter. So I wanted to kind of put that out there just for understanding. So let's get started as far as uh, this conversation is concerned because in this pericope of verses five through 11, Peter is really engaging in what I would call a musical symphony, a musical symphony of of grace, a a handwriting symphony of grace. And he is helping believers uh, to harmonize uh, these different Christian virtues that he lists, but he really doesn't give explanation. And he builds one upon the other. And he is also then saying that the carnal Christian, uh, the worldly Christian, the the person who is still a babe in Christ, who has not grown as far as the knowledge is concerned. In other words, they are satisfied with salvation, but has not made the transition to discipleship uh, is very short sighted. They are myopic. But the spiritual Christian Uh, the one who is really becoming a disciple uh, is both effective and productive in understanding who Jesus Christ is and applying the principles of Jesus Christ to his or her everyday life. The problem, I contend, with a lot of us in church is we've been saved, but we ain't growing. Okay? And so, unfortunately, we got to understand that salvation... Is the starting point. That's the entry point. It, it, it is God's desire for us to grow in what we call the grace and knowledge. And we're going to see those two words put together in this writing of Peter. The grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. The grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. So let's, let's look at, at, at where we are right now because guess what? Verses five through seven in the English is one sentence. Verses five through seven is one sentence. And there's a key word that I want us to look at because I want us to understand um, what Peter is doing here when he put this word in here. But also for this very reason. These words for this very reason. Um, that is because of God's great gift. Their promised destiny. Believers must make every effort for high moral living. Let me say that again. We can't live just any kind of way. You can't expect for grace to be extended In every circumstance, you can't go around saying, well, the Lord knows my heart. The Lord also sees your actions. And so we got to stop using that as a tired excuse to do anything that we want to do, especially that goes contrary to the word of God and the will of God. So, so, so Peter is saying that we are called to a higher standard of living. We're called to a higher standard of of living. All right. Now, when he talks about for this very reason, um, he is really talking about we got to do what we can to dwell in these different virtues or qualities that are ascribed in verses 5 through 7. And I really... Want to unpack this in a very meaningful and a very wonderful way that that I, I pray will bless you. Now, for this reason, given all diligence, add to your faith virtue. Now, I told you to look at that word add. That word add in the Greek is a rich word. In other words, the word add in the Greek it, it, it is not like add, what we think about in English. The word add in the Greek is not one plus one equals two, or if you add one to one, it equals two. But rather the word add uh, in the Greek is, um, and I want to make sure that I, that I say this right, it is epichoruscate. Epichoruscate. Epichoruscape. That's where we get the modern English word choreography or choreograph. Epichoruscape is where we get the modern word uh, choreograph or choreography. Now, here is here, here, here is why this is so important. And this is why I want to take a deep dive on this word ad. Because back during that time... um. Um a wealthy person was called a choragos, or really a benefactor that would pay wages for singers in a choir, as well as pay for the expensive productions that they were to put on in cooperation with the Greek state. And, and, and so this word came to stand for a generous and costly collaboration and and this word describes the kind of generosity that believers must have in giving of their own effort and in their cooperation with god in appropriating these eight characteristics that are mentioned in verses five through seven all right so so the believer watch this is to supply or support his or her life with these virtues. This is very similar to the writings of Paul in Galatians 5, 22 through 23, where he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And he lists nine different slices of the fruit of the Spirit. And, and, and basically, Paul was saying that if you lack one, you don't have the entire fruit, okay? Peter here is saying that you are now called to integrate all these different virtues that I've just listed. Okay? And, and, and we're gonna we're gonna uh, talk about these different virtues uh, that, that that are mentioned that, that are mentioned here. Okay? So let's 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 unpack this in, in a very meaningful and and and, and, and powerful way. That, that I pray will bless you all as far as uh, this, this, this moment is concerned. So, let's look at it. Given all diligence. Add to your faith virtue, and to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. All right. That's a lot. That's a lot. But we want to unpack this in a very meaningful way, because what I want you all to understand is that each virtue or each one of these characteristics develop upon the other. All right. They are rather progressive and they are active. All right, and, and, and it's important for us to, to understand and not take this uh, for granted by virtue of the fact that God wants you and me. And here's the application. Want you and me by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit to live in such a way that people will see the maturity and the growth in our lives and desire to know God on a deeper level because of how we're living. All right? That's what this boils down to. So if you don't get anything else out of today's lesson, here's what I want to drop on you. Stop using grace as an excuse for sloppy living. I think I just said something very powerful. Stop using grace as an excuse for sloppy living. Let me say that one more time for the Holy Ghost. Stop using grace as an excuse for sloppy living. We are expected to live at a particular level of morality. All right? Now, don't get it twisted. Cause here's where I really want to drop this major bomb. You don't live to get, you don't live right to get saved. You live right because you are saved. Ooh wee. Let me say that one more time. You don't live right to get saved. You don't live right to get holy. Because you're saved, you now live holy because you're saved you now live right because you're saved you now live morally okay all right okay so here's here's where, where where I want you to understand is you and I got to cooperate with the holy spirit in developing each of these characteristics yeah um, God does not make us <laughs> do anything. We got to avail ourselves by cooperating with the Spirit. Uh, this comes to prayer, this comes to reading the Bible. This comes to listening to sense what the Spirit has to say, and applying what we learn to our everyday lives. And in the areas where we fall short, you got to double your effort. You got to get back up, get back on that horse, and try it again. Okay? All right? Uh, Stop making excuses and using grace for sloppy living. (laughs) Listen, we we, we know how a whole lot of us are, are when we mess up. here here is here's the issue with us in the church that 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 just sometimes make me want to scream is that when people are corrected you want to say you're being judged you ain't being judged you're being corrected you're being disciplined stop that stupid notion i saying when somebody tells you that you're doing wrong, that you're being judged. No, you're being corrected. People of the culture and people of the world and carnal Christians claim they're being judged. Mature Christians understand you're being disciplined or you're being corrected. All right. Stop using grace as an excuse for stupid living. Now. Let's unpack this. Let's unpack this. Giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. Now let's talk about what, what faith is in, in, this, in this rendering. Let's talk about what faith is in this rendering. Because when we see faith, faith of course uh, jumps out at us. And, and, and without faith, Christians are no different than the world. Let me say that again. Without faith, you and I are no different than the world. Alright? Let me say that one more time. Without without faith, we are no different than the world, than the culture. Uh, The faith that Peter is talking about is faith faith in Christ and it is our faith in Christ that separates us from other people this is why Jesus said you can't come to the Father except through me because our relationship with Christ ought to become the distinguishing mark from the culture now Hear me and hear me well. The reason that we said that Jesus Christ is the way to God the Father is by virtue of the fact that Jesus Christ was God in the flesh. Now, here is where I have to teach us as the church or as disciples To stand where we stand, don't fall for the okie doke of saying where there could be any other ways to God. For you as a Christian, for you as a disciple of Jesus Christ, for you as a disciple of Jesus Christ, Jesus is not a way but the way. And as far as I'm concerned, and as far as you should be concerned, He is the only way. It ain't anything up for discussion, dialogue, and debate. We are taking the very words of Jesus and now applying them to our heart. However, applying them to our lives. However, we're not to do this with a level of arrogance, but with the stream of confidence. Okay? It's not arrogance, it's confidence. So this faith in... uh, This faith that we're talking about here Is faith in Jesus Christ. But we also must understand that faith without works is dead. So it is faith in Christ that becomes the foundation for all of these other qualities to be developed as far as our life and our living is concerned. All right. Um we we, we, we see the word virtue is also added and that, that signifies moral excellence and these are Greek terms moral excellence high standards that go beyond the pagans okay now these type of words this word virtue is not a word that is common among the Jews but rather common among the greeks so peter is using their language to raise their standard to help them to understand that folks ought to see some difference hear me and hear me well between you and the culture or between you and the pagan there ought to be some distinguishing marks stop using grace as an excuse for stupid living Okay, there are some standards there are some standards there are some standards here is what Peter is trying to drive home to us Peter wants us to understand that faith is more than belief in in, 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 in facts or data faith is belief put into action ooh I hope I'm helping somebody don't say you have faith and you ain't doing nothing Talk, Robert Charles Scott. Don't, don't, don't talk about you have faith and you ain't growing. Ah! Don't, don't talk about you have faith and you ain't living a, a particular moral life or moral discipline. Okay? Faith produces something. Faith produces something. Faith produces something. I think there's going to be a common refrain for me. Stop using grace as an excuse for stupid living. (laughs) So, 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 so here, here is Peter helping us to understand that doing this work and growing in these different things, it ain't easy. But guess what? It ain't optional either. It is a part of your Christian development. It is a part of your discipleship. I know I'm hitting hard today. I know I'm hitting heavy today. I know I'm saying some stuff that some folks don't want to hear. But guess what? You ought to be in a different place morally, spiritually, relationally, mentally, physically, even financially than you were when you first came to Jesus Christ. There there ought to be some growth. There ought to be some development. Stop using grace as an excuse for sloppy living. Uh, uh, Notice what he says. And add to your faith virtue. All right. Virtue is another word for goodness. And then he says, and then add to goodness knowledge. Knowledge. Knowledge, we're not talking about intellectual pursuit, but we're talking about spiritual knowledge that comes through the Holy Spirit that is focused on the person and the word of God. It is a relationship. It is a relationship. Now, again, this word knowledge is one of those Greek words as far as the list of of characteristics that a person has. So knowledge here, refers not to the knowledge that leads to salvation, but it refers to the knowledge that leads to a godly life. All right? Okay? Here's what I want to impress upon you right now. Stop engaging in a religion that is tired, lukewarm, lackadaisical that all you do is show up on the virtual platforms on Sunday morning, get your praise and clap on, and then think about what what you're going to do for the rest of the day. In other words, you got to get get off the couch and start moving and start shaking and start doing things, okay? In other words, you got to stop having... Um, and I know I may make somebody upset with this stop having a couch potato religion stop having a lazy religion okay we are called to run not a sprint but a marathon that means you got to be on the move that means you got to be lean mean and tight Okay, um, um, we are called to move from faith to virtue from virtue to knowledge and then watch this from knowledge to self-control so coming to the saving faith of who Jesus Christ is ain't enough knowing or being good ain't enough. Uh, having knowledge about the person and the Word of God ain't enough. You got to engage in self-control. You got to engage in self-control. Ah, this is where the rubber meets the road. Because here's what you got to do. You got to have mastery over your sinful desires. You got to put that stuff in check. Paul talks about how we ought to uh, put in under, under subjection those those things which are strongholds as far as our lives are concerned. You and I have to gain mastery over the sinful desires of Our everyday life. And we all know those things. That we do. That we engage in. That does not please God. Here I come back with that refrain again. Stop using grace. As an excuse. For sloppy living. Now. I'm be honest. You know this this teaching has is convicting me just as much as it is you. And oftentimes we think about big things, but there's some small things that many of us do that is sinful and we got to stop using the grace of God for sloppy living. All right? Now, here, 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 here is why self-control is so important. Um, Because the false teachers back then believed that self-control was not needed because your works don't save you. And they wouldn't help the believers anyway. Now, this, this this is where good teaching is very important. Works do not bring salvation, but it is absolutely false to think that your works Are not important because you're going to be judged on your works. Teach Robert Charles Scott. I think I will. We are saved so we can grow in our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And that means that we got to be disciplined in our efforts. You're going to be judged on your works. You're going to be judged on your works. And so the more I know about Christ, the more disciplined I need to be as far as my life is, contro- is, is concerned. Now, let's, 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 let's talk about what this looks like. What does that self-control looks like? Because it's a whole lot of books in in the culture today uh, that speaks to that speaks to uh, you uh, doing certain things but not many of them deal with self-control a lot of them talk about self-fulfillment a lot of them talk about self-awareness a lot of them talk about self-satisfaction but you don't hardly see too many books talk about self-discipline. And, and, and the reason why is because we live in a culture that want to make you feel good rather than become good. And that's the problem with church today. we create a monster where we want you to feel good rather than become good. That, that's the problem with the church today. We want you to feel good rather than become good. Because self-control means you got to make an honest assessment of not only your strengths but also your weaknesses and work on your weaknesses by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit that you got to build the will to say no when your internal desires want to say yes sometimes you got to say no to to um, foods that mean you no good and say yes to fasting and to healthier eating. Sometimes you got to say no to people who will lead you away from Christ and say yes to those who will build you up in Christ. Sometimes you got to say no to casual sex. And deal with the intimacy that leads to marriage. And there are times you have to say no to laziness. In favor of I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. It, it, it Self-control. It is a long road to hoe, As we would say back in Mississippi. It does not come naturally. This is a supernatural Act of the movement of spirit in your life. Okay? A supernatural move of the spirit in your life. Let's move to perseverance. Because perseverance is basically stick to it. Um, um, this is where perseverance is so important because when you have your back up against the wall and you want to give up and you want to throw in the towel and you want to turn your back on God, perseverance says, no, hang in there. When you have self-control, perseverance is not hard. It, it, It is the ability to endure without giving up your faith. It ain't stoic. It's it's not the concept or the belief, whatever happens, happen. It is not fate, F-A-T-E. But it is faith in God's sovereignty and control over your life when you do what you're supposed to do. That when you do what you're supposed to do, then perseverance helps you to hang in there, trusting that God is going to do what God will do. That's what perseverance is all about. Perseverance basically means to stay under or stay steadfast, enduring under adversity, not giving in, not giving up, but hanging in there. And then when you have perseverance, that leads to godliness, godliness, godliness. Now, let me get ready to mess up again the cultural postmodern understanding because y'all kill me when you talk about I'm spiritual, I'm not religious. The word godliness in this text is eusebia. Eusebius. As a matter of fact, one of the early church fathers was Eusebius. And basically, you want to know what you, godliness is? It's another word for religion. Let me say that again. It's another word for religion. So for you super spiritual folks who say, I'm spiritual, I'm not religious, then you're not godly. Ooh. You ain't godly. That's the problem. You're spiritual, but you ain't godly because the devil is a spirit. You can be spiritual and not godly. Here, here. this is why, this is why you need to know the word and you need to understand the context of the word. Uh, the word godliness, here in the Greek religion, it refers to correct attitude about God and people. where you perform certain, watch this, rituals. Now, for all of those who say, you know, I don't believe in rituals, I don't believe in doctors, I don't believe in religion, I'm blowing that up right now. I'm killing it right now. Stop the madness. Again, here I come with this phrase, stop using grace as an excuse for sloppy living. You and I, as disciples of Jesus Christ got to have the right relationship with God and the right relationship with our brothers and sisters, with fellow believers. See, the false teachers back then they claim religion but they didn't have reverence towards god and they didn't have good attitude with others all right so now watch this so then adding to godliness or religion brotherly kindness brotherly kindness Brotherly kindness. Now, these first virtues that I've listed, this is your inner life and relationship to God. Uh, These next two are basically how we get along with others. Brotherly kindness. Mutual affection. It is the love that ought to be between brothers and sisters. I love the way that John used to say, uh, how can you say that you love God whom you have not seen and hate your brothers and sisters whom you see every day? For the Bible says that you are a liar and the truth is not in you. For how can you, how can you love God whom you have not seen but yet not love your brother whom you see every day? Brotherly kindness. That means we, we, we got to have love For one another. We we, we got to have love for one another. Brotherly kindness. That word brotherly kindness. Brotherly in the Greek is Philadelphia. Which is where we have the name of the city of Philadelphia here in America. The city of what? Brotherly love. Here Peter is saying having brotherly kindness. Brotherly kindness kindness That means you got to have a concern and compassionate caring for others, for your brothers and your sisters. Now, now here's what I want you to understand, because if I, you don't get nothing else, get this. Peter right now is talking about our attitude with each other who is connected to Christ in the church. That, that, that we ought to be kind to each other in the church. We ought to treat each other as brothers and sisters in the church. There ought to be a, a level of kindness that we display with each other in the church. And then he, 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 he takes us even deeper and he says and then adds brotherly kindness love that word love is agape agape. it is the self sacrificing spiritual unconditional love this is the love that God has for sinners and interestingly this is now comes this is the type of love and concern we are to exemplify toward others now watch this watch this It's the love that God used to save us, and it's the love among believers that ought to allow for people who have problems, affirm others, have a strong commitment and loyalty, allow for people when they're weak and imperfect to get right. it's, It's that bond that holds us together, but it's also the compassion that we show toward the world. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now, interesting to note that this starts with a saving faith. And it transitions to us showing love to a broken, hurt, sinful world. To a broken, hurt, sinful culture. Let Let me say it again. It starts with faith. The saving faith in God, through Jesus Christ, by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, that ends up with us exemplifying love, compassion, care, and concern for a hurting, broken, sinful culture. While building upon all these different blocks that I just mentioned towards you. I mean, just that I just mentioned to you. Let me go ahead and wrap this up because what Peter wants us to understand is that as you go through these different activities, um, that when you come to verse eight, notice what he says. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now this is is where the rubber really hits the road. These qualities that were just mentioned to you are to be a part of every disciple's life. It is not static. It does not stay the same. It ought to be increasing. It ought to be growing. And, and as these characteristics continue to grow and increase in your life, um, uh, they keep us as disciples from being ineffective. And, and, and that word ineffective means lazy. <laughs> uh, 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 it means uh, it, it keeps you from being lazy. Unfruitful means unproductive or barren, uh, where you are more concerned about pleasures and cares rather than the things of Christ. All right. So, so it, it's important for us to understand that effective and productive discipleship increases and there is a growth as far as our appreciation of who God is through Jesus Christ in other words and, and here, here's, here's where I want to drop this bombshell as a disciple to know Jesus means to bear fruit to know Jesus means to do work. To know Jesus means to be productive. To know Jesus means you can't rest upon your past achievements or accomplishments or stop growing. All right, A person who claims to be saved but does not change does not have an understanding of their faith in God. Faith and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ produces growth. And all you just got to do is read what Jesus said in, uh, I believe it was John, John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8, where he talks about, I am the vine, you are the branches. Uh, basically, what he was saying is that if we're going to be real disciples, that our life flows from Jesus and his character. We, we, we are fruitful not on our own but we are fruitful because of God's power. Okay? Um, stop using grace as an excuse for sloppy living. Then he comes and he hits us in the gut in verse 9 because Peter then says because uh, if you lack these things um, you're short-sighted. You're myopic. You're blind. And you've forgotten that you've been cleansed from your old sins. So, in contrast to the believer that is growing in grace, Peter mentions the believer who lacks these things who are not growing. You are nearsighted. You are blind. Um, um, Peter really hammers it home and and, and, and really um, goes after the person that is not growing as far as their walk with God is concerned. He is basically saying that if you are not growing in your walk with God through Jesus Christ a couple of things are happening. Number one you're not putting yourself in the position to grow, which means you don't come to Sunday school or Bible study, you don't read your Bible, you don't spend any time with God, you're just happy about being saved. Or, number two, you are, you, you have been exposed to the knowledge, but you're just not applying it. So in one instance, he is saying that you're saved but you're not growing the other one is is that he is saying you have been exposed to the knowledge but basically you're blinking your eyes so you can't see so what is happening is that you have forgotten that you have been cleansed from your sin. In other words, you're putting out of your mind all the things that God has done to save you from your sins. You're putting out of your mind all the sins that God has forgiven you for before you came to him. Because guess what? When you are baptized, this is why water baptism is so important. This is why we do it. When you are baptized, you are letting the community of faith know that you are making a break from your old sinful ways to now developing a new lifestyle. And when you forget this, you become unfruitful to God. When you act differently, you become unfruitful to God. And let me drill home verse 10 and 11, and then we're going to uh, call it a day. Because I think that this is very, very important as far as this aspect is concerned. Notice what it says. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. Therefore, ties this verse to everything I talked to you all about before. Therefore, when you look at verse three, Christ has empowered believers through knowing him to live a better life. Therefore, because Christ has given believers great and precious promises, we can participate in the divine power of God and not engage in the corruption of the culture. Therefore, because believers desire to increase in their godly characteristics, we do not become ineffective and we do not become unfruitful. Then we must be all the more eager to confirm ourselves as children of God. That's why he says be even more diligent or make every effort. Make every effort. Peter is urging all disciples to be determined to live for God no matter how difficult it might be. And to grow in those virtues that we just mentioned above. That is how your call and election are confirmed. Here, here's what I want you to understand. On one hand, the calling and election is already sure and confirmed because it's God's doing, not yours. However, you as a disciple of Jesus got to engage in the behavior that will confirm you have been called and elected <laughs> by your lifestyle and your works. So so therefore you're confirming your call and election not for God but for yourself. Because as you do those things, as you grow in those different virtues, you will not fall. Now, now here 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 is Again, this is why context is so important. Peter is trying to arouse those people who have become complacent as far as their walk with God and who have been listening to false teachers or who believe that salvation, uh, they could, they, um, could live any way they wanted to because salvation is not based on good deeds. Okay? When you truly belong to the Lord, your hard work, your lifestyle will prove it. All right, now, let me drop this, this bomb on you. If you're not working to develop those qualities that I just listed for you, you might not belong to Jesus. Remember, Jesus says one day when he judges, he says, there are going to be some folks who will going to say, uh, Lord, Lord, didn't we not cast out so-and-so, so-and-so in your name? And Jesus is going to say, depart from me, ye, you work of iniquity, I don't even know who you are. Because if you are the Lord's, your hard work is going to back up the claim that you've been chosen by God, but also your lifestyle will demonstrate that. Again, here I come with that cliche, stop using grace as an excuse for sloppy living. Because when you do this as a disciple, you you had people back then who were turning toward those false teachers when it came to doctrine. And who was saying you can live any kind of way and you, you, you know, God's not going to judge you. Uh, The the, the false teacher said that once people are saved, you can live any way you please. It doesn't work like that. If you're saved, God's going to discipline you and chastise you when you go astray. So Peter is counteracting that teaching by explaining to the disciples that your lifestyle must match your calling, that you must match your calling and your election with holy living. And when he said uh, you will never stumble, that means you won't trip up. That, that means that on the day of judgment, uh, when sin takes the unbeliever and the, uh rebel and the atheist into eternal damnation, you won't be going with them because you've been faking the folk. See, let me, let me drop this on you. You can't lose your salvation, but you can lose your reward. All right. You can't lose your salvation. You can lose your reward. And remember, I have taught in, in our new members class. Uh, When I tell people once saved, always saved, why is it that some people don't look like they're saved? Number one, they haven't been taught. Or number two, they may not really be saved. (laughs) All right. Here is where that lesson drills down even deeper. And I close with this. Let's look at verse 11. For so an interest will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Those who live a fruitful and productive life for God, you ain't going to stumble but god has a rich welcome for you a rich reward for you the ultimate reward of a growing disciple of jesus christ is being welcomed by the savior into his kingdom it's sort of like when stephen was being stoned and he looked up into the heavens and he saw jesus standing up at the right hand of god the father and receiving him you want to hear him say well done you good and faithful servant. You want to hear him say, well done. You, you want that, that welcome from our God. Um, unless God's promise of eternal life with him is true, morality makes no sense here on earth. Might as well do what you want to anytime. But I want you to know that everywhere in the Bible points to one day history coming to an end where all the believers of God will be with our God forever. And God wants to share that future with you. In these times, it may be hurtful, it may be tedious, it may be discouraging. But God has a bright tomorrow for you. God has a bright future for you. Here it is. You're almost where God wants you to be. Don't think about quitting because Jesus will be at the finish line to welcome you in and to break the tape. At this time, let me see if there are any questions. If there are not any questions, uh, we will pick up at verse 12 as far as uh, our next time together next week and um, as we prepare to to close out this time I want to encourage you my uh, sister and brother who is watching us that um, here is a wonderful opportunity one of the ways that we show our walk with God our lifestyle with God through our giving through our generosity and I want to thank each and every one of you who have given to us in the past and who continues to give to us for your generosity. There are three ways you can give and even during this time of study, you can give right now. You can either uh, mail your check money order uh, to the church at Fortune 1 Allen Street, Charlotte 28205, or you can bring check money order or cash to the church. Just call the church office before you come to make sure someone is here to receive it. And that is at 704-334-5309. You can also go to our website and through Church Life or ACS, if you're connected to that, you can give. Or you can give through the app called Givelify. You can download that app from your smart, from your app store to your smart device, connect it to your favorite credit card and in three clicks, you can give. And so at this time, Um, I want to encourage you to continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of God. And part of that growing in the grace and knowledge of God comes through your giving. It it really does. Listen, I am not a tele-evangelist. This is not a scam. Um, I'm not going to send you any holy water or a blessed napkin. Um, What God has done for you, with you, and through you is more than any of us can ever imagine. And that's the blessing of God. And I'll never ask you to do anything that I don't do myself. So, uh, as you give, God bless you. Thank you. Um, I look forward to uh, seeing you all one day real soon. Let me... um, uh, I I really do. I look forward to seeing you all real soon. We are making preparations to bring us back in. We're going to do it safely and securely. Um, So, you know, for all of those that have concerns... Uh, we're going to make sure that we pr- develop our own protocols here at St. Paul on how we're going to flow. It's going to be different from the public because um, in the public, uh, uh, if you've been vaccinated, uh, you don't have to wear a mask. But uh, whenever we do open back up, um, we're still going to require masks uh, because some folks have not been vaccinated. We're going to encourage you to please, ma'am, please, sir, get vaccinated so we can come back together. And, and here is, and let me drive this home to us before I close. Here is how, you know, the vaccination is working. Um, a few weeks ago, with the New York Yankees, several of their staff and players who had been vaccinated caught COVID. None of them had to be hospitalized and none of them died. You wanna know why? they were vaccinated. The vaccination keeps COVID from wreaking havoc on your body, on your system. Being vaccinated doesn't mean you can't uh, contract COVID because you can, but it mitigates or lessens the impact that COVID can have upon your body. I am vaccinated. Many of our staff persons, uh, all of our staff persons have been vaccinated Quite a few of our disciples have been vaccinated. I want to encourage you to get vaccinated. Do the research. And if you feel led, do that. All right. Listen, God bless you. Heaven smile upon you. Um, I can't wait to see you all in the future. Again, we're going to be doing some different things that's going to lead us up to uh, a grand opening. Um, But until then, continue to pray for us. And uh, we'll be doing the same for you. Take care and God bless.